Innovation, I believe to be the pursuit of what can be unburdened by what has been. Innovation. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites, if you look at the polling, still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Well, welcome back here to the Ruthless Variety Program, a very high-energy Thursday program indeed, and you'll find out here in a minute. Uh, it's good to be back here, fellas. You carried water very well on yeah, Tuesday. Good to, good to have you back. Yeah, no, it's very nice. I had to do some important businessing, and you you held up your end of the deal. Yeah, you were out there uh, like Willie Loman. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's right, with my travel sack. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh-huh, yeah. And I was I was making it rain, but you know I'm happy to be back, and coming back to this show is like exactly what I needed because I need, I like need a little energy boost. Yeah, and in through the door yeah. bursts yeah. Wesley Hunt. Yeah, what's up, my man? Guys, thank you all for having me. This is um, moments like this are why I'm really glad that I won. <laughs> Every time I come on this show, he you guys comes, are just the best. You and come in with a pet, like a pep in your step. You like come in almost like a bushwhack brother. <laughs> yeah, you know, bushwhackers. The, yeah, the the, the, the oh, arms are, are swinging, man. and you're he had like, the big sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, on. he's like, "What's up?" <laughs> this is just amazing. The energy here is great, and literally, the actually when I won and I saw the the results come in, I thought to myself, "Man." I could have you on Ruthless as much as I want. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna try to make it harder for you to win again. That's what we do here. <laughs> well, these are our favorite episodes. Uh, you all know because you've experienced them a couple times before. But Wesley is joining us, and I just couldn't be more happy about it. We're going to go through a whole range of topics here today. Let's start with that intro, Kamala. Yeah, I've actually heard that one a couple times before. They're kind of recycling the material. It must have just really landed last time, you know? Oh. And they're like, you know, we've got to bring that that banger back. What is she? <laughs> Fuck. Why is it? I mean, I think it was Whitlock said, basically, why is it that she sounds like an 80s Apple commercial? Yeah, I, I think her speechwriter must just hate her. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely hate her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just so, it, what's so incredible to me is how consistently bad she is. Like, you would think you would just fuck around and hit a home run every once in a while. Yeah. She has got nothing, ever. It's embarrassingly bad. Yeah. It's embarrassingly have you, bad. Have you ever met her? I have not. Which uh, is also kind of wild, right? It is, but, like, it's really interesting how partitioned everything is here. Like, you think you would run to people more, but but you really don't. Yeah. And they're kind of in, in, their, in their own world. Uh, the thing that bothers me the most about that situation is always, this is kind of the... The administration of diversity hires. No. <laughs> to include the vice president. You can say that. We can't say I, that. But I can't say And I will say that. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't, sir. And I will say that. Because I've always been somebody that's always prided myself in, yeah, it's really great to be, you know, black and all these other things. But the first thing to be is qualified. And, and Happy to be black, resume, but also like what I'm doing. Quali- yeah. That's exactly right. And yeah. I, I would love for people to look at me and say, Wesley, 
Uh, you're a West Point grad, and you earned three three masteries from Ivy League school, and you served our country, and you're an Apache pilot. And as a, as a footnote, oh wait, and, and I'm, a, I'm a father, and I'm a husband, and all these things. As a footnote, you're black. <laughs> right. But that's not the first thing that I want people to think about. And the reason why we got her is because there was a promise that was made that we're going to have a black person to be our VP, a black woman in particular to be our VP, because it's going to be the first. And she could barely walk. She can't even talk. And she can't walk and she come at the same time. Yeah. And we're witnessing it every single day. And it makes her look bad. But also, it makes everyone look bad. Yeah. Because you always look for people who are the, be- the best person for the job. If it's a white guy... Okay. Right. If it's a black woman, great. Right. But you can't just do it based on that. And we're seeing the epic failure for every single day because she wasn't qualified for the job. Can I ask you about this? Because you probably have like a, a just a, a very sort of personal understanding in a way that I, I probably don't. But this has all changed in the last like 10, 15 years. Yes. I mean, when you and I were growing up, this was a situation where, I mean, I. I, I remember describing a little girl that I went to kindergarten with as the girl with the blue bow in her hair, and she happened to be the only African-American in the class. And my parents were like, wow, that's awesome. Yes. You know what I mean? And like that was the way that we grew up. That's our generation, actually. Yeah. Where it was, just, it, was, it was all meritocracy, and it was like, who cares what somebody looks like? You just kind of deal with people as people. Right. Yeah. And then somewhere along the way, and I, don't, I can't put my finger on it, yeah. but it has changed so significantly that identity now trumps almost everything else. It was Barack Obama. Really? Is that so? Is that the moment for you? Barack like, Obama had an opportunity to 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 really end all this race stuff in our country. So people need to keep in mind he's half he's as much black as he is white. By yeah. the way, he was actually raised in Hawaii, Ponoho by Ponoho High School by his white grandparents. He had I not, think you might be mistaken. It was Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the long form? I have. Yeah. <laughs> we're joking, joking, we're laughing. It's a parody. We're parody, laughing. Parody, it's great. Parody. It's funny. It's really good. <laughs> he had an opportunity to say, "Look, I'm as white as I am black. I get to be the president for all Americans. Um, I actually beat out a lot of white people to be here. Yeah. Why? Because I mean, I went, I went to Harvard and stuff, and I did a lot of good things, and I'm." Pretty smart and charismatic. I, can, I, I don't mean, agree with any of his policy or his politics, but that was an opportunity. And instead, he doubled down on race issues, mm. divided the country even further. And that's kind of I think that was the beginning of what we're seeing today. And I remember uh, when Trayvon Martin um, was killed. Oh, yeah. And he said, I look at Trayvon Martin. That could have been my kids. And I'm like, word, <laughs> like the word. No, your kids are protected by Secret Service. Your yeah. kids have privilege. Yeah. Not white privilege, just a flat out presidential privilege, which is the greatest privilege of all time. Right. That would never be your children. Why? Because they were in two parent homes. They're both Ivy League educated. They both raised their girls right in a good way. And they're and, and and you're telling me that that could have been your kid, and that to me was the beginning of the end. Interesting. That's fascinating. Because I I honestly have wondered about this for a lot of years. And I also think, I mean, if that is the moment which I don't disagree with, what has happened within the progressive left, which is entirely encapsulated by coastal white liberals, right? Coastal, coastal white, well-educated liberals right. are the worst. 
They yeah. are. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the whole, <laughs> they are the absolute worst. The yeah. whole like insidious movement of going from equality to equity. Yes. Yeah. You know, where it used to be, okay, you know, whoever is the most qualified, whoever is best suited for the job, everyone's on an equal footing. And equal opportunities. You know? And now it's just equality. <clears throat> or, not, or it's uh, equity, which and, is just right. left-wing garbage. In left-wing identity politics, you mentioned the Kamala Harris example of, well, we have to have a black woman be vice president, I think has also enabled a lot of like really super cynical politics. Yeah. You know, where it's like yeah. Tim Scott now, he's yeah. an Uncle Tom. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because cause that's the way they yeah. see the world. Because for them, it is just, oh, okay, well, this person's black and this person's Asian and this person's white. And and that's how they fill out the chessboard of politics. Yeah. And 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 because they do that on the other side, they feel very comfortable saying, Oh, well, here's a black Republican, you're an Uncle Tom. But these are these are white educated liberals yeah. calling him an Uncle Tom. Right, it's the damnest thing I've ever seen. It's incredibly well, so that, cynical. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that's kind of the point I was making is that I think that as they have used basically all of politics to identify and name to identify as Democrats as as you know whatever identities that they have encompassing. <laughs> they are like racing to try to be more woke and more like something about their self-loathing yeah in some ways so, so do you know what i hated the the supreme court justice uh Ketanji brown that whole process so the first thing that was stated was we're going to have a black woman that's going to be a supreme court justice we are talking about all the things that she looks like, all her skin color, her her physical attributes and we are talking about a woman that has two harvard degrees yeah right, right. Mm-hmm. Right, it diminishes everybody. It diminishes everybody. Her hard work. It diminishes you it, and it, all your experience. Exactly. It diminishes everybody, and exactly. that's the cynicism of it all. It's like you got it. Literally becomes the only thing. I love that. And cynicism. then it's the it's the opposite of progress. Really, it's the most base politics you could have. And uh, Ilya Shapiro, the uh, Georgetown uh, professor, professor mm-hmm. made this point. He got fired for it. <laughs> he got fired for it. Just basically being like, okay, well, this is one of the most powerful positions in the entire country. Maybe it should be based on the merit of the person and their, you know, their background and experience. No, no, uh, gone. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move in. We, we, what we do at the top of Thursday's program is we read some reviews. Uh, <laughs> I think Smug has helpfully ordered these in a way to avoid uh, Duncan Waterworks. Yeah, I think I, I think these should be good. These should be good because uh, you know he loves love. He's an emotional man. I am, and so I think you're going to go first. Okay, this so time. I got the first one here. This is from PRD Perdofu. I think I'm going to say this Perdofu. That sounds right. Animal Farm is the title. Okay. Oh God, we love animals. <laughs> As with many others, I learned about your podcast through Megan Kelly. I have since been an avid listener. Looking forward to each Tuesday and Thursday. I love when there is uncontrollable laughter as it makes me laugh out loud, snorting and all. <laughs> nice. And we can all use more of that. I'm especially enjoying your snippets on animals rebelling against humans and thought you might want to consider making a compilation of all of these stories for a special episode that anyone who needs a good laugh can turn to. So I, I, I think, I think, and they, they say they- Oh yeah, it may, may even beat your Thanksgiving episode. Thanksgiving, for, for the OG listeners, Thanksgiving episode is is sort of the capstone for us. Yeah, it's when we really go off the rails. Yeah. The problem, I think this is a good idea. The problem is I think Ashbrook overheats. Yeah. In that situation. If you gave him an hour to sort of- I think he overheats. He could get over the edge. We could have like some kind of a coronary event. <laughs> 
here at the program. <laughs> Don't you think, Slug? <laughs> I mean, so the thing is, I actually appreciate those takes. And that's why I made sure we're going to have an animal segment later for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we're going to have several of them. Uh, Smug, you want this second one? Absolutely. So this is from Mini Max H. Uh, the title is Saved My Sense of Humor During a Crappy Week. It says, The pod is great. I found it through Twitter. Somehow, pre-Musk, the Twitter algorithm worked and showed me an episode promo in my feed. I was hooked immediately. Great takes on news, informative interviews, insightful analysis, obviously. The entertainment value is even better because of the games and stories from the files of PNAS. Oh, PNAS. Are you familiar? So now that you're a member of Congress, you get a lot of important studies that come through (laughs) that that need to help amplify your knowledge. On a range of issues. Yeah, what so we have found to be one of proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Yeah, yeah what we have found to be respected. one of the more reputable sources is Big Peanuts. <laughs> That's really the name. I'm not making it up, Wesley. This is this is that. a real. That. We can't say that. One. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> His staff leapt across the room. For that. <laughs> We're an audio medium, uh, so they can't see that. Uh, at this point, I ration my episodes to get the most out of every week. I knew I would need to maximize Ruthless last week. We somehow scheduled getting our taxes done the day before my husband had a colonoscopy. Now, that's, that's a, a, that's a one-two punch. It, it, it's one of those pictures where that's it's a like one, it's two, the same three punch. Thing. <laughs> it's a one-two-three punch. My God. I knew I would need the lad's laughs to get through the crappy week. Having found you last summer, it's my first March as a listener. You guys provided so much extra joy last week by having a special Hack Madness episode. Oh, yeah. Love the show. Love the laughs. Thanks for saving my sense of humor. Min, yes, I'm actually a minion named Min. Thank you so much for listening. A and minion named Min. Again, That's reminder cool. to uh, listeners, Hack Madness is still ongoing. By the time we're hearing this, we should be in the final four. So, again, I post uh, the polls on my Twitter page. And uh, hopefully you went to hackmadness.org. Keep following it. Print out your bracket. I mean, there's been some, it's some heavy duty action out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, right now it's just, honestly, it's just Clash of, of, of the Titans. And these, some of the and, best, and these journals are really. liberal hacks in the game. They're really working. standing, yeah. It's incredible. It really, it's incredible. Awesome. It's just, I mean, it's great stuff. It's awesome. great stuff. You got to run into the halls with all these people all the time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> if, if, if a champion, or when a champion is crowned, and if that champion is in the halls of Congress trying to interview you, mm-hmm. I just want you to congratulate him or her <laughs> <laughs> on their achievements. Done. <laughs> That's so good. I love that. All right, uh, we saved the voice for last. I'm told that this one has some uh, sad content. Okay, fellas, this one's from Jim G, 1991. And it's titled, The Best Content I've Experienced in the Last 40 Years. Jeez, that's nice. Wow. Since I was 13 years old, some 40 years ago, I've been a political junkie. From the election of Ronald Reagan, I began consuming all of the political content I could. From high school debate classes to college Republican meetings to representing my district at the State Republican Convention of Texas. There you go. Listen to that. It's one of your peeps. One of your peeps. Let's go. I have fueled my passion with conservative thought leaders beginning with Rush Limbaugh, followed later by Ben Shapiro, Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, etc. About two years ago, I swore off politics because it was making my blood pressure spike through the roof. You guys have provided a way back in with a lighthearted, hilarious format. That makes it a joy to drive to work in the morning. Smug, work is that thing normal people do to earn money. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a troubling concept, Leslie. We've tried to talk about it, and Smug is slowly wrapping his mind. Slowly. 
There is nothing better than when the listeners bust our balls. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, just, the, it's, it's the best. It is the best. They get it. They really understand us. They know me. So here's the other part. <clears throat> Jim G. 1991 writes, fighting a cancer battle now that mm. may cut my time as a minion short. So, Jim, we're, we're all with you, man. Hang God in bless there. you. God yeah. bless you, Jim. Yeah. But just know that if I have to go out, thanks to you guys, I will go out with hope for this country and its conservative future, and most importantly, I'll go out laughing. Wow. Oh, Thank Jim you. G. Unbelievable. Thanks so, so, so Jim, when you're listening to this, uh, get on your email and hit the uh, ruthless account and uh, send us some information about you. We just want to follow up on that. That is awesome. That is a great take. I really appreciate it. All right, so let's get in wow. some serious biz here. Do you want to do serious biz first or do you want to do your animal thing, Ashbrook? I feel like we need to do after that. I need to lighten it back up or otherwise I'm going to ball. Well, I do have a question, a very serious question uh, for you, Congressman. <laughs> You're a family man. The gentleman from Texas. The gentleman from Texas. You're a family man. You go on walks with your family. I do. Uh, so let's say you're on a walk, uh-huh. and a rabid dog, a wild goose, and a pack of monkeys descend <laughs> upon you. I'm thinking. I got this. What do you do first? First thing I do is, if I want to walk with my family, my wife has the pistol and her purse. <laughs> I this say, is honey, Texas. I say, honey, hand me the gun. And I shoot them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Is there a particular order? Do you take out, you said the goose? Yeah, you got a wild goose, a rabid dog, Which and a pack of monkeys. Which people have found, by the way, in Washington, D.C. to be impenetrably difficult. You got to shoot the pack, you got to shoot the pack of monkeys first because you can grab the goose by the neck and ring it yes. at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I'll do is I'll switch hands, <laughs> and then I'll kick the rabbit dog, <laughs> full of John Wick as I as I'm kind of going backward. Yeah, and then popping twice, and then we're good to go. And then but, like before you pop, and then, twice. We could, then, we, then we continue our walk. That was a speed bump in the walk. <laughs> Family time is sacrosanct. It, 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 it is. It I'm is. not home as much as I should be. And then my daughter goes. Good job, Daddy. <laughs> do, 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 you, do you discard the goose, or do you just kind of throw it over the shoulder? And then, we, and maybe... and then it becomes dinner. Yeah, right, right. That's basically, I think, the only thing you need there. That's it, and we're good to go. Yeah. Oh, that's like a, a standard Texas stroll. I think it was Rick Perry, right? A standard who, Texas stroll. It was, like, it was like Rick Perry who was out, I think, jogging or something, and he came across, I want to say it was like a coyote or a wolf or something, and he just pulls the gun out and shoots the damn thing. Which is what you should do. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, that's basically Ashbrook's <laughs> mandate to the American people is if you get in this kind of situation, you need to disarm it immediately. It, yeah, it, and it doesn't always have to be a gun. Sometimes you can get very creative. <laughs> like we, like we, a, a monkey pool. We've talked about the pool. This is the Olympic-sized swimming pool. This is the trap to catch wild monkeys in India. Okay. You fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool with water, and then you top it end to end with bananas okay. the monkeys they, go in for the bananas and they fall in and they fall in and they can't get out yeah and, and they keep going and it, the, it works it works for everything it doesn't just have to be monkeys it could yeah. work with libs <laughs> you fill you you fill the swimming pool you cover the top end to end with brainworm takes libs jump in grab the take done and end of discussion end of discussion god that's smart 
Yeah, I mean, that's why we have the people listen to the program. We've got these in, like, very ingenious ways of handling problems. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right, well, one more piece of animal content here. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Texas, so this is about a bear that has been sent to Bear Supermax. This is an escape artist Missouri bear. Mm-hmm. It's now headed to a Texas zoo with a moat. It, it has a moat. Yeah, this is from the AP. It says, an escape artist bear from Missouri is headed to a Texas zoo with a moat in hopes that it will put an end to his wandering. The St. Louis Zoo cited the, quote, specific and unique personality of the <laughs> Andean bear named Ben in announcing the move Tuesday. His soon-to-be home at the Gladys Porter Zoo near South Padre Island in Brownsville, Texas, has a long history of working with Andean bears. But it's still adding some extra security measures. This is unbelievable. So we're confident it's going to be good for Ben, <laughs> Walter Dupree, the Texas Zoo's curator of mammals. Ben gained notoriety in February by busting out of his habitat <laughs> twice. The first time, the four-year-old 280-pound bear tore apart clips that attached stainless steel mesh to the frame of a door. But he was recaptured before the zoo opened for the day. This is like the Andy Dufresne of bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> zoo workers then added zip tie-like attachments made of stainless steel that had 450 pounds of tensile strength. But Ben managed to escape through those about two weeks later. The zoo was open this time, but he was captured less than an hour later on a public path. <laughs> Trying to make his way to a Mexican beach. I mean, <laughs> right. I Fort, Fort Hancock, Texas. I mean, yeah. What does this bear have to grows. do? To An like, old tree. <laughs> what's the bear got to do to make people realize, like, okay, it's time to put Gentle Ben down? Like, yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. No They're, jail can hold him. Yeah, he can't, he can't be stopped. He <laughs> can't hold him down. Ben's got to have some relative to, to hang the tank, don't you think? I mean, clearly. Two-time escape artist? Maybe Hank busted him out. <laughs> That's possible. Hank the Tank is one of our favorite animal animal stories. It was like a like a thousand pound bear or something. Yes. It was breaking into homes all over northwest uh, part of the United States, like multiple states, like breaking and robbing the place. Right? This is what Hank did. I love Hank. But when they descended upon Hank, yes, after this series of of robbing sprees that he was <laughs> this on, this is amazing. They caught other bears, not Hank. There was other bears, so Hank figured out once they were on his trail he started deputizing the small bears. <laughs> Hank, like Peaky Blinders, huh? He has his whole crew. Yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Hank is running the Costa Nostra of bears. It's just it's amazing. So anyway, this guy's definitely got a relative there. No is question. Thanks to around? Yeah. I mean I Nobody caught him. Nobody caught him, huh? He's still on the loose. Still on the loose. Still on the loose. Every once in a while, you see some evidence. That's it, though. But it's like Kaiser Sose. (laughs) It could be Hank. You just don't know. You just don't know. All of these stories you're seeing about the animal kingdom rising up against people, that's all Hank. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the story about the hog. He's Caesar. He's Caesar. He is. The the hog that killed the butcher, the dog that shot its owner. Every every (laughs) single one of these stories, this is Hank. This is from Hank. Don't get him going. Hank, too y'all call him Hank the Tank. He's going to over. Yeah, he's going to overheat here. Uh, all right, let's get off of this into some serious shit for a little bit because honestly, I know you got some takes on this. We got some strong takes on it too. Uh, this just happened this week in that tragic, tragic school shooting in Tennessee. Uh, six people, including three children, killed by a transgender. I, I, this is the way that this is written, and I just I don't know how. I don't even know is transgender man born a woman i don't know but by all reporting uh he wanted to die in a suicide by cop initial reports were the shooter was a woman and then headlines were changed once it became out uh that it was a transgender 
Now, how all these things have, have sort of collided is jarring to me in many, many ways. Um, and it, what, what is the most jarring, folks, and I, I imagine you guys feel the same way, but like as a parent of young kids, yeah. uh, the fact that this is not actually the same discussion that we've been having after tragic school shootings and that somehow this is like, I mean, there were, there were NBC reports about the mental anguish that this school shooter unbelievable felt pathetic i mean it it is it like if there's anything that would make me light myself on fire in anger it's that it's crazy there is no sympathy for this absolute animal yeah i mean they had an abc reporter go on the air uh while you're seeing camera footage outside the school of mm -hmm. of parents and, and and children terrified and the ABC reporter said, well, you have to remember in Tennessee, they passed a bill to put an end to uh, uh, children getting transgender surgery. So this may have had an effect. Unbelievable. And they're like, oh, you're trying to understand the suspect's motives all of a sudden? You're justifying it now. Yeah. All of a sudden we have something, maybe we can talk about mental health again? I don't know. But no, you get shut, that's shut down too. Wesley, from your perspective, just wipe the slate clean of the full run-up to this. Like, what's your takeaways here? So my number one takeaway is <clears throat> uh, because I every day I go to work and because I have a pin on, a green pin that says I'm a congressman, I am surrounded by people with guns. Yeah. We have to walk the metal detectors. I am safe every single day. I have roughly 2,000 Capitol Police officers that are armed with at least two guns apiece that follow us around and make sure that we cannot be hurt, ever. As somebody that's been in the military, I've been on many bases in my entire life, they're safe because they're surrounded by people with guns and walls. So what I'm seeing now is that just because I have this pen, it does not make me more important than any single child mm-hmm. in this country. Yeah. So if we have this level of security, and if I never have to worry about my safety when I go to work, then why do they have to worry about their safety when they go to school? Yeah. I have a four-year-old daughter, I have a two-year-old daughter, and a, and, a, and a three-month-old little boy. My pen makes me less important than all of them yeah. because it's my job to serve all of them. What I saw from the brave gentleman that stormed that building and took down that dog mm. whose pronouns are now was were <laughs> made me realize that that's the kind of action that we in the halls of congress have got to implement to save our children mm-hmm. there's a private school in the greater in the greater houston area and the head of this school is a woman and she actually doesn't do guns because of her religion. I'm not gonna say what her name is, I'm not gonna say what school it is. Hates guns. But when I went on this campus to give a young a young man his nomination to West Point, I was absolutely flummoxed by how much security that there was. Mm how many checkpoints that there were. Mm-hmm. There's a wall around the school. And I pulled her off to the side and I said, oh my gosh, man, this is, security here is really good. She goes, you know, I actually don't believe in guns, but it's my responsibility to keep these kids safe. Yeah, so she did something about it. So she did something yeah. about it. And that needs, to com- that needs to be the conversation that we're having in the halls of Congress. We are all around the Columbine time, correct? Yeah. You remember Columbine? Yeah. I was in high school when Columbine mm-hmm. happened. That's about half my life. Prior to that, there were no issues. 
1986, you could buy a fully automatic machine gun. <laughs> right. But we weren't talking about these kinds of conversations. So when the left says we need to ban AR-15s, which, by the way, is only 3% of the homicides by gun in the entire country, 3%. We want to ban AR-15s. You forget that half of my life was spent never worrying about these things. So what happened in our culture? Yeah. What happened in our society? What changed? What was the shift? And it wasn't guns, because we've always had guns in our culture, and we've always had guns in our society. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about banning guns because there's 400 million guns in circulation. I have one AR-15 per kid in my house. <laughs> yeah. I You're not going to walk in my house and take my property. You're not going to do it. I and by the way, you, I'm Leslie. a law-abiding citizen. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think anybody's walking in your house. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't we, think so. We were speculating so about, and you got a nice three-piece suit on today. I mean, so this we is like, this is a special outfit you've got. I'm old school. But what I, we were speculating on the way in here about, what well, you have to have these things custom-made. You got the barrel chest the size of a bourbon barrel. So, so the, and this is the biggest problem every time I walk through the metal detectors, I got to check these guns in. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why the I don't is- want any more security, dude. I just <laughs> this is an audio medium, but, <laughs> but for, our, for for our listeners, for our listeners, yeah. the congressman is, uh, as we would say, yoked, <laughs> <laughs> completely yoked. I mean the the the, the fabric the straining on, on the arm the of this thing. Right now. <laughs> It's, it's holding off for dear life. I mean, it is like that's a, a first-class cotton. Let me just say it. It is that that stuff is a durable fabric. Uh, no question. Y'all are the best. No, but listen, I mean, look, I fully associate myself with your take here. Yep. I think that is. I think that is a hundred percent right. We've talked about this for years. There's two issues that are happening. Mm-hmm. One is a very serious mental health crisis in this yes. country. Yes. Yes. And it has become increasingly unable to address because in rather than talking about it and trying to deal with it we either celebrate it yeah or worse yet we ignore it altogether yeah and pretend like it doesn't exist right and then the other piece of it is once you have these issues and like you said i mean this is a relatively new phenomenon in the history of this country mm-hmm. how it is that we get into a gun debate every single time <laughs> but nobody does anything about mandating hard security perimeters at these schools. I don't care. You don't have to have one thing. I don't care if it's like in Nebraska, you're going to do something different than than Manhattan. Sure. Right? I get it. But you got to do something. Yes. You got to do something. Our schools cannot be soft targets. I mean, I got to tell you, at my, you know, I got a a three and a half year old at his preschool, small Baptist preschool, they've got you know, an off-duty, I think he's an off-duty cop, you know, who who's carrying whenever the kids are outside, if they're on the playground. <clears throat> They've got a dead man's door, Yeah. right? You got you to gotta buzz into the door, and then you're in sort of an ante room, and there's another door that has to be buzzed in as well. It's not one door. It is two doors that require a key card. Yeah. And the point there is, is it provides an additional layer of security and also an additional layer of time. For somebody to push a button and be like, here's yeah, a lunatic response with a gun. Yeah. Right. And you're buying yourself time. You're making a target a hard target yes. rather than a soft target. You know what? I go when, Every day I go in there, I'm like, God bless it that we have these here. I, I wish every school had them. 
I mean, we spent like $20 billion incentivizing people to buy battery cars from China. Yes. If you just... We spent $200 billion in Ukraine. I mean, if you just re-obligate... Yes. Like some of the frivolous bullshit, I mean, it actually doesn't cost a lot. In fact, we were doing the math back a couple years ago. There was another tragedy somewhere. We were doing the math on the COVID bill and the amount of cash that schools got. Yeah. That they, they've been unable to spend the tens of billions of dollars. Unable to spend. Yeah. And, and we did the math on like every school in America and how much money it was. That's right. And it was way... You could turn them all into Fort Knox. You could turn every one of them into an absolute military so for 50, facility so for 50, if you had For $50,000 a year for one guard per school, it's going to cost about 3 to $4 billion. So multiply that times three, you get three guards. I mean, this is a drop yeah. in a bucket compared to what we're spending on other things. Yeah, This is a very easy conversation that we should be having. Yeah. I mean, it just is. It just is. I think it's actually complicated by the fact that, like, we have – we just live in a terrible – like garbage culture at this moment you know it 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 makes me really really sad that you could have people in the media blaming christians and and people of faith you know who don't want drag shows to minors as being (laughs) culpable right in in a in a murderous rampage and i you know i hate to be cynical or 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 sort of blackpilled about the whole thing but i don't you know, I just don't know how you get to a place where you accomplish things that make our culture better when the other side is is so dug in on something that is so patently absurd. Yeah. And you it, know? it starts at the top. Uh, the other day when Joe Biden was asked about uh, Senator Hawley uh, brought up that this should be under consideration of a hate crime that Christians in this Christian school were specifically targeted. And uh, President Biden was asked about this. What are your thoughts on on? Uh, Senator Hawley saying that this was Christians being targeted. And Joe Biden laughed and said, oh, we, you know, it's kind of a joke. Yeah. See, I, I mean, it just goes to the whole thing. And the problem that you get with stuff like that, and I understand where Hawley's coming from. Biden's absurd, he always is. And he just plays into that progressive deal. But the problem is, again, you're segmenting, mm-hmm. right? And we're talking about there are victims because mm-hmm. they're, they're Christian schools. No, these are kids. I don't care if they're Christians, if they're Jewish, if they're Muslim. I don't care what they are. They're nine-year-olds. They're children. They're nine-year-olds, right? Don't give me the hate crime thing. Tell me why it is that is a a person in this society who is apparently living with his or her mother. I don't even know what what pronouns I'm going to associate here. Was were. Was were. Get canceled. Yeah, was were. Was were. Was were. We've established. I mean, that's well done, by the way. Nobody, nobody can figure out how to crack that code. Well, I, I guess my, like, where I got to disagree with you is if somebody on the right commits a heinous crime like this, the media says it's, it's the crime. policies of the Republican Party and what these people see on Fox News that drove them to commit this crime. But they inverted the same exact thing this time. And that's my point. My point is it's victim blaming. They're yeah. saying this person was driven, driven to commit this crime because of the victims. No, I, listen, I, I 100% agree with you. And I, like, that I get is that. so fucking whacked. It, it is unbelievable. Insane. I get that point of view. I guess my point is I'm so tired of doing this without talking about a solution sure, to it. Sure. And I think the more you entertain, look, the media is corrupt, right? right. They just are. 
And you, if you ever thought that that was maybe not the case, look at the last three days. Look at look at how can you possibly do anything to defend somebody who shot nine year olds in the school? <laughs> and they tried. And they tried. And they tried. Straight face, they tried. So entertaining the argument about what they did and how they're doing it is to me at this point it's like yes that's what that's who they are that's what we know they're terrible yeah but like we have to force action here and i think you gotta force a discussion about putting some hard security into schools so so we can never we can't we can't defend culture right now because that's going to take decades and decades and decades to figure out what are we going to do right now in the halls of congress to keep our children safe yeah yeah if we want to go bigger back and forth about we should ban ars we should do that or this or that we could we could do this all day every day it's all nonsense what are we going to do today to protect our children yeah and that's the bottom line and as somebody's a combat veteran what i've realized very very quickly and that's there's worse things than guns and this goes back to the point that you were talking about with, with, with mental illness. When I see IEDs go off when I was in Baghdad, I was like, oh my gosh, well, there goes 100 people. Yeah. When I, when I think about what happened in the worst days in this country, two planes flew into buildings. Almost 3,000 people were killed. Not a shot was fired. Yeah. The Boston bombing, a pressure cooker. Yeah. Timothy McVeigh, Oklahoma City, fertilizer. For those people that don't understand the mindset of a homicidal maniac, you're not going to stop somebody that wants to arbitrarily murder children and Americans. You're not going to do it. So stop talking about guns and let's start talking about what we can do together to protect innocent people. God bless you. That's exactly right. That's just exactly right. And I think also when you bring up specifically the point uh, of your perspective as a combat veteran, there's been a lot of really great suggestions i think about you know when you talk about how do we harden these schools how we protect these schools it would be a tremendous boon to the economy to veterans to hire folks who i mean we saw those two officers i understand at least one of them was a combat veteran and you saw the level of effectiveness in protecting those kids and and surgical he was surgical totally just the way he cleared around corners surgical it's incredible and so you know we have a significant number of combat veterans some looking for work. We've seen horrible stories about how difficult it has been for a number of combat veterans to find jobs after deployments. This is an ideal situation where we have a tremendous resource, both the combat veterans and the children to protect, and it just seems like a no-brainer. Smoke, do you know how many emails and text messages and and DMs that we get from veterans saying, put me in, coach, I'm ready to play? I can believe it. And by the way, we're, we're talking about paying these people. The, a lot of these guys are just, are just relatively young, retired people that are just like, this is my neighborhood, this is my school, I'll protect it, mm. I'll help, I'll donate my time. You don't even have to pay me, mm. which makes sense because that's, that's actually the mindset of a veteran. Mm-hmm. And so we have all these veterans that are able-bodied, well-minded, that just want to help people out. And they're sitting here watching this stuff on TV, and they're like, I, I can do something about this yeah. to protect children right right which if you think there's one thing we can all agree on it's that that's it yeah no i mean it's just it's a tragic thing that's it that's a great point but we get what we get instead and this gets back to your point duncan about what the media is doing with this stuff is so good you know nbc fear pervades tennessee's trans community amid focus on nashville shooters gender identity 
What? I mean, there are nine-year-olds that are dead. Yeah. And Why you're, are, and you're misgendering people. Well, and there was that paragraph in the New York Times piece that was like recategorizing their early reporting because of, you know, they misgendered the school shooter. <laughs> I mean, are you fucking kidding me? I, it, it, there is nothing that makes me more mad than this. There is nothing that makes me more mad than this. Yeah, I mean, when when our national media and Democrat politicians make the cornerstone of their outreach to a transgender community victimhood. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. to the point of to the point of they, you know, they're having this event on on Saturday in DC that's called the Day of Vengeance to yeah. stop the trans genocide, to stop genocide. Like like you don't it's know what the, genocide like is. it's the Nazi exactly like it's right. the Nazi fucking holocaust. Yeah. And you say that to people, you reinforce it in their minds. And I mean, back to my whole thing about garbage culture. We, we, if if you constantly reinforce to people that they are on the threat of death, and that that people want to kill them, you are going to get sick fucking people to get a couple of ARs or pistols or whatever they can grab and start shooting people. And so, uh, yeah. Like that's it's just it's truth. It's it goes back to the whole thing you were saying. It's like it's not really about the guns. It's about it's about mental health. It's about protecting these schools. It's, it, it, I just, it, two things. I wrote, one more thing. I wrote maybe 10, 10 tweets, maybe 10 tweets, maybe fucking 20 tweets after this went down. And, and I, I just couldn't send one because it just made me so sad to know that there were people out there trying to figure out an angle on it. Yeah. yeah. Trying to figure out a, an angle. Yeah. You know? And and to know to know that we've got an entire cottage industry and media and Democrat politics that profits off of uh, creating this victimhood uh, and driving people insane just is so so sad. It's so sad. It's (laughs) two two things specifically to that uh, the on, on this Saturday, the transgender day of vengeance at the supreme court is extremely pointed especially given the fact that recently you had uh, a transgender individual attempt to assassinate justice kavanaugh and specifically said it was for revenge right and then given uh uh you know this specific headline uh i i I actually crunched the numbers the national murder rate is 6.6 americans per 100,000. uh the estimated uh, transgender population of the United States is 1.6 million. Their murder rate is two per 100,000. So you are three times more likely to be murdered if you're not transgender than if you're transgender. However, progressives, Democrats, the media keep feeding this narrative that transgender people you're under attack. I mean, this is the you're same people. Genocided. The people who said so that you'll find that people who are mentally unstable, and if they're told every day, "Oh my God, I'm being genocided. Saturday's my day of vengeance. It's time to rise up." And all this imagery you'd seen of of Democrat legislators wearing these shirts with knives and guns on them about t- uh, transgender vengeance. Bro, they told us net neutrality would kill us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're yeah. right, like, dude. It doesn't take much for them to get to right. 100. Right. They go all the way. And on everything. And 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 we're reaping what they've sown. Internet policy, by the way. Internet policy <laughs> was going to kill people. Trump's tax cuts were going to kill, kill people. people. And when you reinforce that over and over and over again i mean this is the natural evolution of things i totally agree with you guys on this so 
predictably, Wesley, you'll this is gonna make your head pop off your formidable shoulders. <laughs> uh this is the the headline roundup. This is just the Washington Post and just the Washington Post. What damage can an AR-15 do to a human body? A rare look. A southern town embraces its AR-15 factory. Why do Americans own AR-15s? How a change in law could provide crucial seconds for people to survive a mass shooting. Guess what? They're not talking about school security there. Varmints, soldiers, and looming threats. The ads used to sell AR-15s. The gun that divided a nation. Incredible. We spent seven months examining the AR-15. This is the one that killed me. We spent seven months examining the AR-15's role in America. Here's what we learned from our, our little space here. We just went out and checked it all out. And turns out that was these pretty good. crazy people are it, it, it was owning like, guns. It, it was and they like shoot them. Years and years ago, there was this ridiculous, it became a meme of how absurd this reporter, of course, based out of Brooklyn, was talking about how America doesn't need trucks, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I and then the that. best was they were asked, do you know anybody who owns a truck? And they said, well, no. <laughs> So you have these same folks <laughs> giving these policy ideas of being like, well, I don't need an AR-15. <laughs> I live, you know, in Williamsburg. I've never seen any need for an AR-15. And these are the people who, who, who think these policies, who have not seen the majority of Americans, do not live in an apartment in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, th- none of that was the opinion section. Well, and they, they also act like like two two three is some sort of hollow point that's going to blow blow out the backside. It's, of some, it's I mean, it's it, it, what it is is fear porn. That's is what it is. is but what it's it also is. beyond the point. I don't care if you're shooting a thirty odd six or a AR fifteen. If you're pointing at a nine year old. That's where I have the problem. Right. So, so you, you guys are great because for the listener, they didn't know I brought in some stats. Ooh. Actually, on let's this, go on this very issue. Listen, you're a real congressman. So this now. is I know I got this serious. Is serious. <laughs> it got real, didn't it? <laughs> it did. But like, I want to get back. We will get back to it not being real. But I just kind of want to be <laughs> yeah. a serious congressman. Now, seriously, for I like for this. like for like one second Honestly, because you know, I figured this the, might happen. Okay. Shout out to the people of Texas. You've gotten yourself a legislator who a is ready real, to I'm serve. I'm ready to go. It's a real life. Legislator with stats. So this is according to ATF. This is in 2020. So handguns were involved in 59% of gun murders. 15. So this roundup: 60% of gun murders were a handgun. Rifles, AR-15s, assault rifles labeled assault rifles, which is AR does not stand for assault rifle. By the way, it stands for right. Armalite, right? Which is the company that that designed it. But but for I their, appreciate you educate like our listeners fine. get it, but like a hundred percent of got the it. media does not. Three percent, three, three percent. Shotguns, one percent, thirty-six percent. Any gun not designated as the one that I just said before. <laughs> 
So if you take away all AR-15s, essentially you're taking away 3% of murders, but it's not going to be 3% because the homicidal maniac is going to find another method right. to shoot that person with. Right. Totally. So it's not a replacement cost. Yeah, he's not like, oh, I have an AR-15, I don't have an now AR-15, I can murder. So now, it, it, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't now, murder before. Well, now I can't figure it out. Right, right. Do you guys have, what, do you have any murder guns in yeah, stock? Yeah, all of I, I need, I need, <laughs> I'm looking for uh, like uh, a bunch of murder guns. And, and if I could get the, murder ammo with the murder gun that would be terrific and that's what they've done so they've made the ar the face of this thing and we have got to fight back on this like like it's not the ar it's not the gun that's why i took this back to columbine it's it's something that's happened that's eroded the very fabric of our culture to think that people can arbitrarily walk in schools and murder children. We have to address that. But we can't address that until, A, we find a way to stop these people from killing our children, and they cannot be, there cannot be soft targets, yeah. and our children cannot be less safe than me yeah. just because I'm a congressman. Yeah. I would give my life for any child in this country. Yeah. You name it. Yeah. I would trade my life for any single American child in this country. Yeah. And I'm not making that up. No, I know. I, w- I would do it in a heartbeat. I've had I've had 40 really good years. I I'll yeah. give that child 30 more years in a heartbeat if I could. So my argument is not about it's not about us sitting back here in this in this in this marble, really beautiful looking building, surrounded by people with guns while our kids are being shot by homicidal maniacs. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Well said. You know, they te- people in Texas know what they're doing when they sign guys like this, don't they? <laughs> and, and it really just it really drives the point of the left really does not want to do anything for this issue. They have their own wish list that they're trying to bend into any opportunity that they have. Yeah. What do they're, you think that is? What do you think that is? It's the banning guns. They, they yeah, they, they want. So why do they want to ban guns so bad? So that there's oh I see three, what, well, I see three, so, here. Why, but why why the gun thing why take away guns that's that's the question why do you think I think they don't like the initial reason that the founding fathers put it in there in the first place I that you say I know I knew this was where this is going I think it's twofold I think there is a educated elite that believe exactly what you just said and then I think. The Democratic establishment doesn't believe in anything. What they believe in is trying to cobble as many liberal votes together as they can. Mm. And so you've got a progressive elite that literally believes the Second Amendment for its literal interpretation is the reason. And then a whole bunch of other people that say, well, this is what we do, so i got to go a step further than everybody else. And that's just politics. And that's what I think is the, the Democratic Party. It's Marxist strategy as well. Yeah, 100%. You disarm the population. You erase the history of the population. You deem that one group, because of the way they look, all of a sudden has supremacy over the other, and then we embolden the government to to help out the, the, the minority group that was somehow presided over by the other group. And then you erode the very fabric of the country. And then we're kneeling during the national anthem. And then we're not saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And then there is no patriotism. Yeah. You're disarmed. You have no history. And then what do you do? The government gets bigger. And then you take everything over. You don't have to pay for your college. 
you don't have to go to work. We'll pay for that too. Mm-hmm. Oh no 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 no. One point five trillion, three trillion. No 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 no. We'll pay for all that too. Mm-hmm. You can rely on the government. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then what happens to America? Right. We are no more. Right. Because yeah. nothing's free. Right back, nothing nothing's in life free. is free. The government's not giving you anything for free. There's always strings attached, and the idea. That if you've lived in the United States of America for the last three years and you watch them force people to stay in their homes and not go to work and then sit there and, and tell us the riots over the summer was peaceful protesting. There we go. And now you're going to go ahead and you're going to disarm Americans. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If you've lived in the United States, you lived in the United States for these last three years, and they're like, you know what? You got to turn your guns in for the good of America because there's some maniacs out there. Are you, ki- but are the, you kidding but me? Also, dude, you're exactly right. But I, always, no. I, I almost feel like t- these people need to meet actual Americans. Right. Like, they just need to meet actual Americans. I mean, good <laughs> God. Do you know how this country was founded, folks? It's not because we just sort of stay in line. Let me just say that. Like, this is a very, very different population than the one you can stuff into, you know, weld them into apartment buildings it. in other you countries across this this, this Yeah, world. you almost said that's the thing. It's like, is every time the left and the media looks at, at, at the gun statistics in the United States, which are obviously... Very bad. Yeah. Of course, two thirds of them are suicides, which it's is facts. equally bad. Mm-hmm. But they look at it compared to uh, Japan or New Zealand or Australia, which is apples to orangutans. Which, right? Um, why don't you go ahead and look at a lot of the totalitarian, totalitarian regimes around the country where people can't have guns? There's people being murdered there. Yeah, mm-hmm. stabbed to death. Stabbed to death. Work, beaten work in the camps work camps and you know what they have no recourse for a redress of grievances <laughs> yeah it just is <laughs> you know what I mean that was a good Chris Rock man, right? <laughs> you know it. It. Chris Rock's my guy you know that <laughs> yeah. jelly or syrup I prefer <laughs> syrup <laughs> Oh, old OGs oh know that one. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, <laughs> All right, you know get... what I will tell you? One, one last thing. I do okay. want to say this. One of the fastest growing demographics for gun ownership is who? Black women. Yo, I know. No doubt. Up 87% yeah. amongst black women. Well, they know what's up. Look at that. I mean, look, everybody's neighborhood has turned into a crime spree. Yes, it has. Are they, uh, you think people are just going to accept being victims? No. Hell no, they're not going to accept being victims. Black women live in overwhelmingly Democrat-run cities. Just like you were talking Mm. about, crime is up. I got to protect myself. I have to own a gun. And then, yeah, you're still going to continue to vote for Democrats that want to take that right away from you. Yeah, Yeah. Well, hopefully we're changing that. And we're changing that. that. Uh, Hopefully we're changing some of that. Guys like you are a big reason why. Yep. We need to talk about some animal, weird animal stuff this time. That's, let's go. Um, this one caught the eye. And I, I actually, I'm Smug, I'm interested in your take on this. A Mastodon meatball. I, I, I saw this news. It was tweeted to me many times. I can't wait. Yeah, so it's, it, this is from Reuters. A giant meatball made of flesh cultivated using DNA of an extinct woolly mammoth was unveiled on Tuesday at Nemo, a science museum in Netherlands. Wait, Netherlands? Are you sure this this mastodon wasn't found in Italy? It's they they created they <laughs> oh, created Jesus they created a mastodon. No. His the Italians it, created uh, it and then turned it in the, turned them into meatball. Must be an Italian scientist in the Netherlands. It, 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 <laughs> 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're going to get letters again. Uh, you don't have to be Italian to eat meatballs, fellas. Yeah, no, they got different uh, kinds. <laughs> they got different kinds. I just they have Swedish wanted... meatballs. They have Swedish meatballs. Okay, so maybe that's Netherlands. That's not. But they not stole it. They stole it. <laughs> it all goes back to just a, back to a total <laughs> ad hominem <laughs> attack on the Swedes. <laughs> but they did steal it. But they did they steal did it. Steal, be honest. You just wait to rebranded it and just sold it at IKEA. That's the That's thing, right? Like, Leslie, this you this just, sounds like a money opportunity for it IKEA. Does. <laughs> <laughs> like not only are our prices not going up, now we got mastodon meat. <laughs> You fellas just wait till the Swedes organize. They're going to be real trouble for you. Oh, they're going to be too busy putting furniture together. You ever, you ever tried to put something together from Ikea? 37,000 steps. You, you never find enough That's screws. That's 100% right. It's impossible. That's the no. And it's always either missing something or you have three extras. That's how they keep their population busy. And stealing Italian cuisine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so they made a mastodon, a woolly mammoth meatball. The meatball was created by, oh, guys, I don't know how you're going to work this in. I mean, this is amazing. It was created by an Australian cultured meat company. I mean, the Aussies are in on this too, fellas. You got to work them in. It's like the UN of meat production. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I wanted to get people talking about cultured meat, uh, calling it more sustainable alternative to real meat. We wanted to create something that was totally different from anything you can get now. Well, they've done that. And they didn't have to steal from the Italians this time. It's <laughs> this time. And this kicker here is what gets me. Th- this quote, they said, uh, we wanted to create something that was totally different from anything you can get now. The founder of, of this Australian company told Reuters, adding that an additional reason for choosing mammoth is that scientists believe that the animal's extinction was caused by climate change. What? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't the mammoths didn't you know switch to solar panels and driving teslas too many and Neand- it was their doom too many neanderthal fires <laughs> the ma- the i mean can you imagine this? the methane for the neanderthal fires yeah <laughs> the democrats go let's tax it where's the methane tax on that <laughs> The mammoths were really... The mammoth tax. They were, they were, they were troglodytes when it came to protecting <laughs> There's just no question about it. Climate change. So, all right, so, but this this raises a pretty good question. Hilarious. Right? I mean, it see, DNA of extinct woolly mammoths, so it's got some mammoth in this meatball. <laughs> they eat that thing? So, my take. So, I love the theory of it. I don't like how they specifically did it because if you if you continue, you know, you have to scroll down in the article before we don't they like say, green meatballs. Exactly. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you know, we didn't uh, harm any animals in the making of the mammoth meatball. You know, it's all lab production. I'm not with that because you know you got to kill that thing in order to eat it. Hundred percent. So, like so if we, you bring back the mammoth and I see the mammoth is rolling around and then you know you take it down, chop it up. <laughs> I'm so for it. Wesley, we have we've had this thing for years, and Smug has been very consistent. 
And that we talked about, like, if you could bring a dino back, like, yes. would you bring it back? And he's like, yes, to kill it and eat it. No yeah. question. And, like, you know, oh, you wow. could have, like, a tiny little T-Rex arm or something. Oh just like a, like, a, it's like a chicken wing. It would be, like be like a turkey leg. It would be like a turkey leg. Wonderful. I knew this was going to be. T-Rex on the short, but, like, you know what? He probably has some pretty meaty fingers, though, if you think about it. Yeah. Well, the T-Rex, I mean, that's a vestigial arm, so that's That meat. That meat. It's like veal. It's going to be so succulent. <laughs> it's a vestigial. Jesus. I mean, that's how I know we're living in the future. If you could have like smoked T Rex arm. Yeah. And you're like, it just falls off the bone. Sm- yeah. <laughs> I knew this would be Smug's take, which is why I was so excited about this segment because I think everybody's got a little something different. Like, Duncan, if you're going to, like, do you eat this mammoth ball? <laughs> hey, man, can you like, can you? No, that's what I meant. Me, that's what I meant. No, you heard what I said. You heard what I said. I'd like it interpreted literally. Well, I just. You know, I th- I think when you you're gonna meatball it, you've, you've sort of ruined the integrity of the. Meat. Oh, you need a steak. I'm saying this is you know you're getting some very rare meat. Lips and assholes. I'm gonna. I want it tartar. I want it tartar. I want it tartar. I want it. I want to enjoy the raw flavor of it. You're gonna go ahead and you're gonna meatball it. Yeah. I want a sashimi. Right. right. This is a this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You're gonna meatball it. You're gonna put in some breadcrumbs. Get out of here. Uh, imagine imagine the ribs. You wouldn't even need to order ribs. Be like I like mammoth rib. Singular. Yeah. A rib. Give me one. Fill the whole table. Give me the whole meat. Don't <laughs> don't cut it. I want that pure thing. I want, pure, I want that blue magic. <laughs> Ashbrook, we're coming to you. What do you do with this meatball? I'd uh, throw it on spaghetti. <laughs> Just like the Italian. Must be Italian. Must be Italian. Exactly. I mean, are you kidding me? What do you do with meatballs? Maybe a sand, maybe a hoagie with provolone cheese. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else you do with a meatball. <laughs> He's gone after the city of brotherly love also. <laughs> Which they do have a vibrant Italian community, so maybe it makes more sense than I By think. the way, I do think it would be interesting to have a full Fred Flintstone size like rib from um from a mastodon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, just lays on the plate and it's like taller than everybody else in there. You're right in the in the intro of the Flintstones thing. Yeah, that yeah. it leans, it like it tips over the the car, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like right after he slides down the dinosaur back. You got it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I like that. All right, so Wesley, I mean, this is probably the most important question you're going to face here today. Yeah, I'm, I'm Texas, so we got to smoke it all day. Yeah. Make sure we have a good rub. Yeah. Good sauce. Yeah. Put it on the plate and do work, son. And you put, <laughs> and you put that ball right there. <laughs> I got it. Oh my god! I got it. I got it. You know, here's the thing. I'm gonna need. I, so forever, I will eat any kind of meat. I don't care what kind of meat it is. Like, I, it, you kill it, I'll eat it. It doesn't matter. And because you can figure out a good way to. Everything except for weird fish. Weird fish I'm a little scared of. But, like, you know, if you can shoot it, I'm in, basically. Like, the, the, the fermented shark I had in Iowa was horrible. 
Yeah, dude, you horrible. tried to put on a game face for that. It just looked like you want to throw up. Yeah, the whole it was time. absolutely awful. Yeah, that's awful. You don't want it. You don't want to screw around. But it was, I mean, I want to eat a shark, so there you go. Cost to pay. <clears throat> I've also had some issues with food poisoning lately. <laughs> That'll change your mind. It changes my mind. Like I'm a little more sensitive to this <laughs> shit. Oh my gosh. No, if you, I had it twice. <laughs> I think it's part aging. Twice, yeah. Twice and th- part aging. It's part aging. You get older, you get a little tummy trouble. <laughs> Who calling me old? <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying. It's like this is unbelievable. When you're when you're 21. You can roll in and eat 50 buffalo wings 100%. and wake yeah. up the next day and be like, I'm good. If I did that now, I'm out of commission for like two days. 100%. <laughs> plus, plus, you get in fire hole. Let's what? be honest. <laughs> you know? But when you're 21, like, your 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 digestive system. No, it's so true. It's, it's so, so efficient. Boring. It's so like boring. a Ferrari. I was having dinner with two college buddies last night, and we had this conversation about how we lived. Yeah. Because we Perfect. lived together my entire college career. And what we had come to the conclusion by the end of the dinner was that we basically provided self-vaccinations for the rest of our life yeah. because all we did was, like, eat the worst shit in, yeah. like, I mean, it gone bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Didn't you matter. couldn't afford shit, so you just ate, like, three-day-old Burger Doesn't King. <laughs> <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? But, like, if you can get through that, your body's, like, for the rest of your life, is like, man, You're we're good dead. to go. Co- good. What's COVID? We're good here. <laughs> we're good here. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> That's right. It's like you poison yourself. You, <laughs> basically. Well, you inoculate yourself. <laughs> Herd immunity. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, so I know you got to get out of here soon, but let, let's do one thing. Because you talked about crime earlier. Yeah. And it turns out the District of Columbia is not in a good place. No, it is not. Uh, y'all did a very heroic thing uh, about a month ago in passing mm-hmm. the D.C. Home Rule, which overruled the D.C. City Council's brilliant idea to decriminalize crime in yep. this in this district. Yep. Um, but they haven't added more cops. They've, in fact, run cops out of the city. Uh, they've made it very clear from a leadership perspective in D.C. that crime is like not something you should care about. Yep. And you just have to learn to live with it. In fact, remember when the mayor was doing briefings on like how to avoid carjackings? Yeah. In fact, it was right after that immigrant was carjacked by two kids and then killed. And and then, yeah, they tried to take over the car, crashed it and killed the guy. Yeah. And the next day she's out there with a, hey, here's some quick (laughs) tips. Here's some quick tips to avoid avoid a carjacking. Step one, move out of D.C. Like they, the, I remember that specifically because those two, those two kids, after they killed that person, they ended up facing no consequences, zero right. jail time. Uh, I mean, it's, it's exactly what happened. So now this is the day you voted on that. Mm-hmm. One of your colleagues was assaulted in their apartment mm-hmm. building, right? Which, by the way, I do. I mean, look. You gotta appreciate a little bit of Schadenfreude every once in a while. The fact, the fact that all of these people, all of these Democrats, thought that Biden was gonna have to veto this thing. He, can't he do was it. like, he, he couldn't do it. It was like, I'm, he's gonna veto. So they're like, all right, we gotta stand with the president on that. Yeah. And their colleague, literally the Democrat from Minnesota, the colleague was assaulted that morning. Was this? I, I think this was Angie Craig. Yeah. Yeah. And and they all, within hours of the assault, I don't even know if she made the vote because she was, I mean, like physically yeah, assaulted. Yeah, she was in the hospital. Right. right. Yep. So within hours, they're all like, 
no decriminalizing crime in D.C. is good. We like that. Just willing participants to our own cultural decline. I, it makes me insane. But then, like but I, then it goes to, here's the That was brilliantly said. <laughs> it is brilliantly said. <laughs> That's why we call him the old man. Perfect. He's got a lot of wisdom. Uh, but, but then with like a week or two later, it goes over to the Senate, and Biden's looking around like, well, I'm not going to veto this shit. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm going to, if I have any. Even hopes, Biden. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? I'm going to actually sign on with this insanity? No, I'm not going to do it. And so the jailbreak happens in terms of the votes in the Senate. It passes by a mile, and all those House Democrats are sitting there holding the bag. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, their colleague. They took the vote the day their colleague was assaulted. I mean, you'd love to see it. I mean, you re- you really do, and, and I mean, you don't love to see it, obviously, because the crime is so terrible in D.C. But what you love to see is 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 the hypocrisy and the virtue signaling laid bare, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Because these are people who obviously know that this city, our nation's capital, our capital city, where where visitors from all around the country come, you know, to visit the monuments, and and it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> And and they've got fine. the old man work. They're fine. They're fine with it being terrible. You know. They're, you know why they're fine with it being terrible? Because then they hire their own security, right, on top of uh, the Capitol Co- Police security. Corey Bush style. Whoa! They hire their own security on top of it. So uh, and, and again, they're anti-gun, right? Oh yeah. So it's surrounded by people with guns, and yeah. then those aren't enough guns because I need more private security with more people <laughs> with more guns, right. to protect me. But I don't care about everybody else because I don't want a virtue signal to them that I am, I don't know, pro-police or or, or, or pro-not crime because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> This is what I have to deal with every single day. Yeah. But they are surrounded by people that are protecting them every single day and they're spending taxpaying money to protect themselves. And that's fine by me. What I'm saying is, is that everybody should have the exact same opportunity to be safe in our own communities. Yeah. That's it's all I'm saying. It goes back to the thing you were saying earlier about privilege, right? Like these are people who talk about privilege every single day. Oh, yeah. They're going to talk about, you know, where you grew up or economic privilege or, or, or the, your race. And these are people protected every single day by private security, by Capitol Police, and they don't want that same protect- protection for the kids in the United States of America. And these are the same people. These are the same people on the left that I'll talk about white privilege, but they have the ultimate congressional privilege, right? And they're going to ignore that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm gonna call them out on it. Yeah, you. Well, you certainly have done that. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm what I'm interested in here, though, Wesley, is if you've gotten wind of any resolutions coming out of the Democratic Party to have you register the guns that you have under those shirts. <laughs> because don't let the ATF know those are lethal weapons, my man. That is, they make me want the metal detectors. Man. If you ha- if Merrick Garland is following you closely on your way home tonight, you know what that's about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, we're we going to be on a registry, we, my friend. FYI. <laughs> We call that open care. <laughs> no permit required. Huh? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, so anyway, the, the reason I brought up crime is Rand Paul had his staffer. Stabbed. Who was violently stabbed. Yeah. Life-threatening stabbing this week. And, I mean, is, is having... <clears throat> Surgery. I mean, it's it's like a very, very serious deal. Um, But still, we deal with 
people just denying the obvious fact. It's not just deceit. It's like it's metro areas. It's happening all over the country. All over this country. And it ties, I, I think it ties neatly into our first discussion, which is like, we're just ignoring reality on this mm-hmm. shit. Right? I, I, not just ignoring reality. They're encouraging the lawlessness here in Washington, D.C. and so many places where you have these prosecutors who were funded by George Soros. Yep. I mean, the, 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 the assailant here, the, the, the person who attacked Rand Paul's staffer was let out of prison literally the day before. Yeah. The day before. Yep. Yep. What are we doing? Yep. What are we doing? What are we doing? I, I think the best contrast is right here. So you had the D.C. Police Union president, Greg Pemberton, said, over the past six years of plummeting numbers of police, homicides have increased 75%. Armed carjackings have increased 227%. Armed robberies have increased 46%. And last year alone, the juvenile homicide rate doubled. Wow. No, nah, it's the guns. And then meanwhile... The, you know, it's the guns. That's the problem. It's the murder gun, though. It's the guns. No, it's, 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 just, only just, one. it's just the it's murder It's only one gun. kill shot. You got to turn it sideways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then meanwhile, so it doesn't you, murder if you don't have it. Sideways. Sideways. Yeah. And, then, and meanwhile, the you had uh, the, the Democrat Washington, D.C. Council Chairman Phil Mendelson said there is not a crime crisis in Washington, D.C. As he's saying this at the presser, less than a mile away, there's a shootout and there's a kid in critical condition. Mm. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So here's a story from the Washington Post today that I, I pulled up because I read it this morning, and it just kind of like shocked me that the Washington Post actually reported this. But I, apparently there's a, a couple of beat report, like local beat reporters that have some integrity anyway, so they report the stats. D.C. U.S. attorney declined to prosecute 67% mm-hmm. of those arrested. Incredible. Gosh, wow, dude! Wow, I mean, to your Soros prosecutor thing, yeah, sixty-seven percent, and then and so I'm like, dude, is there context for this? Like, is it, it maybe there's something about like uh, arrests that I don't know? Like that there is like a processing that doesn't relate, and like maybe this is not a, a stat that has any sort of like meaning. And I went through this entire article, and they and they compared it to other cities. And I don't have it in front of me right now, but it was like, you know, violent cities that you're talking about uh, were like 8%. Yeah. 6%. That's unbelievable. The highest that I saw was like 13%. 67%? Almost 7 in 10 crimes that are committed where someone is arrested are not prosecuted. What the fuck? I mean, this has... Unbelievable. This has become central to the progressive movement. You had Kamala... Uh, inviting people to donate to a bail fund that let out known murderers, known rapists who went out and committed more murders and rapes as a result of that. Yeah, Minnesota, great state. You've had a, <laughs> you've had a rash we've discussed of, of uh, left-wing dark money groups who get these prosecutors, get these DAs in place because by you know no sane member of, of Congress is going to be on the record, except for the one time these Dems in the House did, to, to legalize crime. Yeah. They don't want to make that vote. So what they do is they run around the legislative process and get these prosecutors put in and their DAs put in. And now we're seeing the results of that. 
So let me back this up a little bit because I think what we're talking about is objective fact that almost everybody agrees on. You still have that third of the progressive movement that we talked about earlier that's just clinically insane. There's yeah. like nothing you can do to change them. They're, they're just, gone. They're, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. And they're no longer, they like, don't have any sort of identity. Can't listen, can't hear American. them. They're, not, they're out. Yeah. Right. They're out. But you have the vast majority of Americans that agree with us on this stuff, mm-hmm. right? And I back up to 2022 and you look at exit polls and everybody agreed that inflation was the number one reason that everybody came to the polls. And the majority of those people that showed up believed sincerely that Biden and Democrats were the cause of that. Mm-hmm. Secondarily, they also believed that crime was a big problem, something mm-hmm. that Democrats across the board said did not exist and they were a fiction made up by Republicans. Mm-hmm. Also within the top 10, people thought uh, that immigration and in particular border security was a rampant problem Mm -hmm. that had all kinds of exacerbating effects on fentanyl overdose uh human trafficking all the kinds of things that plaguing communities empowerment of the cartels right right all of those things so so we won the 2022 argument and i know you won Mm -hmm. and many of your colleagues won we won the 2022 argument but it wasn't a blowout it was not what do you think why why abortion interesting period abortion And we did not do a very good job on combating their argument and how they painted us mm-hmm. after that Dobbs case. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of unapologetic about talking about this because we were kind of under the auspices that we would be like, you know what? The Dobbs case was early. They're going to forget about it and, and we'll be OK. You'll see. We'll have a 20 seat majority. And, and what happened was, well, they didn't forget because we saw the highest turnout in a midterm election for for educated white single women mm. in a midterm come out during that midterm election between the ages of 25 and 32 mm-hmm. and they didn't forget about it and you know what we didn't do as a party we didn't tell them newsflash people the only thing we did was return these rights back to each individual state mm-hmm. that's it anybody that has a credible law degree would actually agree with that democrat or republican that that ruling before oh, for sure was horrible Everybody agrees with that. But we allowed the left to take it to us on abortion. I, I, I agree. The one pushback I go ahead. have yeah, yeah, on yeah. it is <clears throat> you had campaigns around the country who were on the Republican side. Yeah. Like two, three, four X underfunded versus their Democrat opponents. Which is tends to be the case, by the way. Yeah. And so you end up in this situation, I think, where, you know, you... You didn't have the money to make an argument on that and then also tell the biography of you and then also talk about inflation and crime and the border on your opponent. So you ended up in this position where, yeah, you would love you'd love to be like, here's my plan. And I'm pro-life and here is my plan. And this is what's important for our state. But you didn't have the money to be able to say that. You know what I'm saying? Because like you had to introduce yourself to voters. That's you, had to talk, you had to talk about why your Democrat opponent was so bad on these other issues. This and was a party issue. We had no money. But we had no money at the individual level, but the party did, though. Yeah. And we spent zero money on combating that message. Mm. Right. So, so I get. Well, by the way, your point, your point is very well taken, but it's actually a trickle down effect from the entire party accepting. Hey, actually, hey, Democrats, you're wrong on that. Here's exactly what happened. We're going to explain it. We spent zero on it. In fact, we said they're going to forget about it later. 
I'm glad it happened early, so now we don't have to spend money on but it. But I think the forget the about it. At national level, we should have spent money on it. I think for the forget about it, in retrospect, was a cope. I think it was, we don't have the money. Oh. You see what I'm saying? No, I, I mean, look. I, I think I, in the summer, no one was. no one had the money. Oh, that's good. That's good. And they're like, that. We'll, figure uh. it out. we'll figure it out after Labor Day. You and know then, what I and mean? Then, and then you saw the intensity decrease, right. the poll numbers tighten, we got and all complacent, these things and then where we it was like, oh, okay. But you have to make you have to make definitive choices at that point, right? And you know, we primarily are dealing with statewide races where you've got you know fifty, sixty, seventy million dollars that are going on. Yeah. And I think I think you're hundred percent right in a lot of congressional races. I think on the statewide level, if you are four to one hard dollar, gotcha. You got to look at the whole panoply of issues that you're dealing with is, am I going to get somebody to fire that person or I'm going to spend everything I've got trying to defend a position Understood. that's already tough for us? And that, a that position was in Washington, D.C. that I'm you, sorry. as a challenger, didn't vote for? Yeah, and it had you nothing know what I'm to do with, right? And so that was the sort of sticky wicket of the whole election. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. Brill- you're not wrong. Brilliant on their part, too, by the way. Right. You're not wrong. I get it. It's just... In a world of finite resources, what, what do we do about that? Right, yeah. and 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 honestly, in this 2024 election, I hope our listeners are listening when I say this. We cannot be in a position where our candidates are being outraised two, three, four, five x. Yep. It just can't. Well, that's the biggest cultural thing, and I know you've you've had a lot going on with this, and you're helping to raise money for people, and you're you're getting involved. Rock star in Thank that you, regard. Yeah, seriously, I mean, really appreciate it. And so, like, you're holding up your end of the bargain plus some. But I, I just keep coming back to the cultural differences between hardcore Democratic voters and mm-hmm. hardcore Republican voters. And somebody said, I forget who said this to me, but they were like a hardcore Democratic voter watches MSNBC and immediately clicks on Act Blue and gives five bucks. Yeah, a hardcore Republican voter immediately clicks on Facebook and writes a five paragraph essay. Yeah, okay, interesting. And they're right. Yeah. And the the problem is, I mean, you can't. You just can't get swamped. You don't have to get. You don't have to outspend everybody. We've already shown that we can yeah. we can win with half the resources. We, but not we, a third. We've won, yeah, yeah, but not a third, not a yeah. third. You know, and that is they, they paint us out. They paint us out to be, yeah, because you can't combat the the, the weight of message. Right. So so you so, know so uh, agreed. Uh, magic wand, magic wand, and and you're there after the Dobbs decision, and you have unlimited resources. What is it that you say to the American voter? Politics or local. Say this all day, every day. Every single state is different. It was set up that way by our founding fathers. Mm-hmm. This is a constitutional republic. You can vote with your feet. In my district, that fared very well for me, actually. The Dobbs decision helped me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the case for everybody else in the entire country. Yeah. You have the opportunity in a constitutional republic to go find a place that fits your needs that fits your palate, it's perfect for you. If you don't like it, you could try to change it. At the end of the day, you gotta live with whatever the votes, however the laws come down, and however the majority of the people in your area votes. I would have said, we just return the power of this issue back to the community. Mm -hmm. Actually, actually, our party empowered every single city, every single municipality, 
every single individual county. Yeah. We actually gave the power back to the individual voter and the individual community. It was literally. That's what we did. It was it. it was the most democratic. It was thing fantastic. You could, you could do on an issue that's incredibly divisive. That's it. And instead of that, we ended up with, oh well, you know, uh, the Republicans uh, ended abortion, and it's like, no, they they it's made not- the states, they made your elected officials who are closest to you. Who are supposed to be most responsive to you? Yes, have to answer this question. Your your dollar goes far further if you invest in that state rep than you do in your federal rep. Well, let's yeah. not get carried away. You just, but seriously, like no, you just you just empowered your state rep. If you want to no, get, I'm no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't want to talk people out of supporting you. I mean. This is let's let's, let's not get crazy. Uh, let's guys. not lose our lose let's our heads. Crazy. But can you imagine the? Uh, I I was like picturing the the other side, like humor in this is like the the dudes flipping through the atlas. They were like, man, honey, we really we gotta find a place that's really close to an abortion factory. I am I am. This is it not a happen. like nobody does that. Nobody does that. That nobody website that, that website is wesleyfortexas.com. <laughs> That is Wesley with a W for Texas.com. Dot com. Hey, can, can I bring up a random thing? We didn't talk about it before. Okay. Oh, this is going to be so good. Let's go. What do we got? So, like, I, I, we, I did an op-ed um, a few weeks ago about reparations. Are y'all down with that? Can we talk about that? I Let's do. talk about it. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, out in California with San Francisco. Could you believe that shit? It was unbelievable to me. And, you know, I, I've been on this show a few times. I love you guys. And. Y- y'all are truly the best and I've, to- I've said this before I've been black for a really long time you know? <laughs> it's like the Steve Martin joke I'm, I'm a bl- jerk I'm a jerk yeah right it's like a really long like really black like you know <laughs> like, grandparents black great great everybody's black yeah there's you know? a lot of black you got a lot of black, black people a lot of black people you know it's really great and, and one of my and one of my campaign uh, uh, issues that really that really plagues me is talking about this this whole reparations thing, mm. and we as a country have moved far beyond that in a very truncated period of time. I'm actually very proud of America. I'm actually very proud of where we are. Last time I was a few times ago, I was on. I talked about living in Robert E. Lee Barracks when I was at West Point, and I never once looked up and, and was like, "I live in Robert E. Lee Barracks. I'm a victim. I don't. I, I can't graduate from here. I don't know what I'm gonna do." I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so badass!" Like, I live in Robert E. Lee Barracks. Yeah. This is the Confederate general that fought against people that looked like me, and I'm gonna graduate from here, in and not his just building. me in this building. And yeah. not me, my brother, and my sister. We're all here. Yeah. Wow. We all graduated from West Point. This is so amazing. Don't change the name. I was, I'm just like, yeah, no, get, they, they, keep the name. Keep the name. Yeah. And then keep the legacy after that for exactly. America. Right, because the perspective of history is what makes history. That's the whole point. Like, if you erase history, it, then we don't have no perspective. You actually lose the victory. The like, that's the thing. That's the victory. I don't, like, that's the thing about the left that I'll never understand is actually keeping the history is what makes progress happen. If you erase the history, you get nothing. My wife is from a small town in Iowa. There are like no black people in Maquoketa, Iowa. <laughs> and I love Maquoketa, Iowa. Yeah. And Maquoketa, Iowa loves me. And every time I go there, I'm like, this is like the greatest place on earth. 
And she didn't go to school with black people. I, I'm assuming she picked me because I'm, you know, charismatic and good looking. And the and, guns. And, don't and, forget and, the guns. Don't forget was, the guns. I was saving it for life. <laughs> <laughs> As we as we digress, she saw me for who I was. I saw her for who she was. We didn't care about those things because we've clearly evolved to be at this point. And so when I look at what's happening in California, and they're talking about taking away six hundred thousand dollars per family from non-black people, just to bequeath it to other black people, is absurd. It's wrong. And I understand that we have the original sin of slavery. Every single major culture does, by the way. It's just what it is. But we and also they're all super racist still. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the other thing that's like we we they're laugh about all the time is that like the, the rest of the world is like actually super racist. Yeah, you know, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, go go to a European soccer match. Super racist. They are the super most racist people. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing that we all sort of like collectively have come to understand. And our generation, I think, is like I kind of can't wait until our generation has the hold on this thing because I do believe that some of this insanity goes away a little bit because we all grew up sort of understanding these questions in a way yep. that like boomers never will. Yeah. yeah. Right? I think that's true. But one of the things is like we do appreciate what you're talking about, which is the progress that was made in our generation alone. Literally. You know? And then you look across the pond and you're like, Jesus, are you serious? You people are horrible. So so by so by the way, it's so bad that if you go overseas or if you go to if you go to Australia or if you go to Europe and I walk in, it's like, Oh, hey, black person. (laughs) And then I talk, it's like, oh, well, you're an American, <laughs> yeah. so you're different. Right. I got treated differently because of the way I looked initially. They found I was American, and then I got treated better than everybody else in the club. Did, did anybody hand so, you but, their wallet? Just leave me alone. But seriously, that's how it is. Yeah. The, world, the world's really I, crazy racist. Like, yes. It is. It is. <laughs> and we're not. Right, and I see my Democrat comrades. They're telling me just like, "Oh, this country is racist, and CRT is systemically racist." And I'm like, "You have never left this country at all, apparently, <laughs> or at least not didn't ask any questions while you're out there, bingo, or uh, didn't associate with any people of color while they were doing it, which is more likely the case, which is usually the case, <laughs> right? Usually the case. It truly is. I mean, it is. It just blows my mind how we're in this, and that San Francisco thing in particular. Yeah. Can that really happen? Like, is that is that a real thing? Like, I know I understand that they posture and they do these things, and they you know they're going to be five million dollars per person. Who, who by the way, <laughs> five million dollars? <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on. It pay one dollar. Was it one dollar for a house? Yeah, yeah. they don't yeah. actually oh. have to be black. By the way, they just need to identify as black for ten years. So anyway, so I'm my, moving I, to San Francisco. I'm, I'm moving to San Francisco. Well, I just sent my kids. I'm there, moving there. They're, they're now black. <laughs> You got to pay for college somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's serious. It's just unbelievable. So true. true. Right? Oh, I'm glad you wrote that up. And and I don't want, and and I think what I really want people to realize is that, so this is over and this is America and you can figure it out. I actually don't want property or money or resources from anybody else just because you're white and I'm black. I just want to earn it. Yep. And I've been on before, and I've talked about my district. My district is a Trump plus 20 district. (laughs) 
I ran in a 10-person primary, only black guy in it, beat out nine white guys by 30 points. In my general election, this dude was the whitest dude ever that I beat out. <laughs> and I mean that in a very endearing way, but this is the whitest guy ever. And I beat him by 30 points, and nobody cared about the color of my skin, ever. Was he listening to like Barry Manilow? Way to the debates? Oh, yeah. How'd you know though? <laughs> How'd you know like that and like Yanni and all that? You know, like, Yanni. You know, like white like, uh, people, people music. White people music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like white people music? Just yeah. total, total elevator. Just total, total, like you know, like, yeah. You know, like, you know. Yeah, he's nah, like, oh, just, greetings. How are uh, you? How are you? <laughs> This person took my parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. If you saw him, that's what you look like. He's just that guy. Yeah. And nobody cared. You no. Know? And so I just think about our generation. I'm just always empowered by the idea of us just, we are the bridge. Yeah. Hopeful for the future. We are, we are the bridge. Like, yeah. like we grew up listening to Eminem. Totally. And we, and we, we grew up in this, in this era. We aren't sensitive. Like, we are... <laughs> Just people that just are proud of our country. We're proud to be Americans. We're proud to be here. We're glad to be here. We welcome everyone. And we are literally the bridge from slavery to where we are right now. Yeah. And I'm getting, I'm in a room with people that actually understand that fact. Yeah. I, God, you're just so good. Again, the good people at Texas, huh? <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. Look what they've done. They've sent us a real leader. Look what yes. they've done. <laughs> But you're going to be a real problem to Democrats. I can tell that. You, you've shown wait. up in a couple of hit committee hearings already, and they're immediately like, oh, damn it. I'm coming in hot. And usually, it was really funny. It's like I get done talking, and then there's no rebuttal. Well, no, because you're a black guy. Yeah, you like, put them in a tough spot. We don't actually know how to respond to that because we've all stereotyped you for years, right? I mean, that's basically their inner monologue on that. My chief has heard this story multiple times. I went to a wedding a couple of weeks ago. And this is one of the most annoying things I've ever been to in my entire life. So, so, so the wedding was great. The wedding was great. The scenario was horrible. So, I have a very good friend of mine. Um, he's a, he's a he's a Democrat uh, in in the greater Houston area. Amazing man. Amazing family. Uh, went to a wedding. Had a wonderful time. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him at the reception, just just kind of one on one. And there's a person that's not from the greater Houston area that walks up to us and looks around and says, "Man." There's a lot of Republicans here at this wedding. Oh, no. Thank God we're the only three Democrats here. Ooh. I looked at this guy and I said, well, sir, <laughs> I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> I have you, you on my... in the wrong bar. <laughs> Grateful to have you on my team, black man. <laughs> Like unbelievable, right? Unreal. <laughs> oh well, clearly you're on my side. Uh, unreal. You know what and, we've and done for your people. You know right? we. <laughs> <laughs> it's only half a joke. No, really. So I go, I go. I, I am. I'm. I'm actually. I'm actually his his Republican congressman, and he's a dear friend of mine. We have been for very for a very long time. He goes, oh, oh, okay. Well. Uh, I'm from Louisiana, and you do know that we are um, uh, trying to make sure that there's an African-American governor in the not-so-distant future uh, ah. in Louisiana. And you know what I said? Well, is he qualified? 
Oh, you decided you're gonna go in. <laughs> oh, like, he wasn't ready. He, he wasn't ready. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was his. It was his version of. Oh, I have a black friend. <laughs> He comes over all the time. He goes over. Oh, <laughs> Why I've even eaten dinner at his house? Why, dude? Oh man, dude! I just love that. And I, what I love is I could I can picture your face when you turn around. You're like, oh, I'm gonna have some fun with this. Oh, I did. Oh, I did. I did. And that's and that's actually what they do. We don't do that. I would never assume that of anyone. No, right. I would get their background. Where you're from? What do you do? Hey, I'm not from around here. Hi, I'm Jim. <laughs> yeah. That's a good. That's a. That's a good. George. Jim. George. Yeah. George. George. Ke- Hi. Kevin is usually pretty good. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kevin. That's good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> like Kevin Mitchell's probably the only it's, black guy they've kept. Eight hundred percent. Kevin Mitchell. <laughs> it's just like it just tells me like so. Hey, who are you? Like, what do you do? Like, like, like a kindergarten, like, like a kindergarten cop style. Like, who's your daddy? What does he do? What like, does he like, do? Like, right. Like basic. Like, I'm a Republican congressman from Houston, Texas. But no, it was the assumption. Right. It was one of the few black people there. He assumed that I was a Democrat. Right. And that is why. I'm a Republican. Oh, uh, look at what the good people of Texas. <laughs> he just he put a nice little bow on the that was whole perfect. thing. Perfect. Put a bow on the whole thing. Listen, perfect. Wesley, I feel like we can do this for hours on okay. end, uh, and I feel like our audience would love it. But I know you got to get back to some votes here. I do. Thank you so much for your time today. This is this is awesome, man. You're welcome anytime. Like, can, I, can I say something real quick? Yeah. To the audience that listens to this. These men are incredible. Thank uh, you so they nice are they are they are patriots. They love the country. They do it with a smile on their face, but they use humor and use use this environment to make sure that we talk about real cultural substantive issues to make our country a better place. Mm. It's why I love coming on this show whenever I can. And you just let me know and I'll be here. Literally this is the highlight of my month. If you get all me- are the absolute best. You're the first of all, you're the absolute best. If you have a, so much as a meeting cancel in an afternoon, just <laughs> come on by. So permanent, thank, you all, thank you all for having me. Permanent co-host, Wesley thanks, Hunt. Bro. Thanks again. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Well, I, I mean, I think we did it, right? Absolute banger of an episode, gentlemen. Thank you so much, Congressman, again, for coming in. Thank you so much to our listeners. So, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.